and you're listening to Dream Infringement. Thanks to the contents of my go bag, we get a certain measure of security, knowing that we are at least a little bit prepared. Us, we can bring the whole thing with us in case of a natural disaster. Get the contents of your go bag from literally any brick and mortar store or online store of your choosing. What's in your go bag? Here at Dream Infringement, we like to tell stories and play songs based on a weekly theme. And if from that intro you guessed that this week's theme was about go bags, then you would be right! It's about go bags. The contents of our own go bags, what we would like to put in them, and just kind of a lot of musings on what has happened in the last several weeks. Also the last several months um, with the pandemic because the pandemic and now the fire that we all have experienced in one way or another have shaped us or are shaping us. And we've started you off with a song by Earth, Wind, and Fire because that seems appropriate right now. And the name of the song also feels appropriate. It's September! September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. As a person with anxiety, I take a certain amount of pride in thinking over and mentally preparing myself for all of the possible disastrous situations that could occur. And not just natural disasters, I'm talking social disasters, medical disasters, emotional disasters, existential disasters, <laughs> metaphysical disasters. I hate being surprised. And I've developed this way of coping, faulty though it may be, as a sort of defense mechanism. So you can imagine the frustration I felt with myself when I found myself to be mentally unprepared for a fire. Living in the Pacific Northwest, I had mentally prepared for an earthquake, maybe even a flood. But a fire? In town? I neglected to put that on my mental list of disasters I should worry about. But I am worried about it now. And that is why we have not unpacked the go bag that is in our car. In fact, I find a strong desire within myself to make several go bags for different places. One in the house, one that stays in the car, maybe one that I can stash at my parents' house in Medford. So we had a simple go bag ready for a potential natural disaster. It has some emergency food, bags of water, waterproof matches, life straws, a paracord, a knife, some thermal blankets, emergency whistles, a first aid kit, things like that. When we found ourselves packing, I realized that we needed more. We needed clothing for a couple days at least for the four of us, not just me, but my husband and our two children, extra diapers because our son isn't totally potty trained yet, so that is a necessity. Um, also things for our pets. Um, at the time, I kind of had made the decision that if we were to evacuate, I would leave the pets behind, which is a really tough decision to make, but the circumstances that we were in were that I did not have my own car, so I was relying on 
um, some really good friends of ours to come get me and the boys if need be. So what I did with the pet was I, when I thought we were gonna leave, I filled up the bathtub like uh, about a couple inches high with water and then I filled all their water water bowls and I poured food into their feeding bowls and then I poured a bunch of food, <laughs> cat food, on top of my son's desk and then I left the two bags of food open on top of his desk, the dog food and the cat food, because in my mind I was kind of like, if the pets get hungry enough, the cat will like knock the food off the desk. That's what I was thinking. So this is how I prepared, because at that time I thought if we did evacuate, you know, possibly we would be coming back at some point. Still not not an easy decision to make. Um, but even so, uh, we ended up not evacuating and we stayed home and I found myself cleaning up all that, that cat food and my son was like, why is there cat food all over my desk? And then I had to explain my reasoning. So I realized that I need a better plan for the pets. And also I think I will end up doing a couple go bags with clothes for all of us. It is hard with kids because they're always growing so you never know like what size they'll be, but I think if I kind of reevaluate every six months or so, we should we should be fine. So that's kind of where my go bag experience is at. And um, another thing that I really would like to add to the go bag is like a couple pairs of really heavy duty gloves, because it seems like a good idea if there is a fire, another fire, or. <laughs> or an earthquake, you can use those gloves to lift rubble and do work, which seems like something that would need to be done in those situations. So I'm gonna kick things over to Jennifer because she has a pretty exhaustive list of things in her go bag and things that she would like to put in her go bag. So Jennifer, take it away. So I put off putting together an emergency go bag for easily over a decade. And when I was home kind of having a mental breakdown from having to deal with a cancer diagnosis, I decided that maybe I should have one and it got the OCD part of me involved. So I hyperfixated on it as I, one can do. And I scoured the internet and compiled a bunch of lists of things that one could put in a go bag that might be helpful. Okay, so this is just a very long, boring list. So I'm going to try and read it really fast to make it as painless as possible. Can we handle that? Okay, clothes, underwear, hoodie, beanie, socks, shirts, bra, leggings, sun visor, bandanas, shoes, sunglasses, gloves, toilet paper, wipes, feminine hygiene, toothpaste, toothbrush, comb, hair ties, chapstick, nail clippers, nail file, dental floss, q-tips, body wipes, mouthwash, sunscreen, deodorant, shampoo, conditioner, small towel. 
first aid kit, masks, waterproof matches, lighter, radio light, charger, solar powered thing, emergency mirror, insect repellent bracelet, pepper spray, emergency blanket, cash, three metal skewers, three plastic plates and cups, plastic where to eat with, small funnel, camp stove, canned heat, mess kit, can opener, seven inch knife, zip ties, duct tape, thread, needles, nails and screws, mini knife, mini screwdriver, earplugs, two long burning candles, hacksaw, multi-purpose tool, small scissors, cell phone cord and charger, small axe, rope, foldable water container, a whistle, combo, compass, glow sticks, sanitizing wipes, tent, emergency bag, trowel, solar, LED light, flashlight with batteries, life straw, emergency fish kit, camp soap, garbage bags, Bible, notebook, pens, umbrella, passport, birth certificate, rain poncho. Uh, Food situation is not great. I need to mess around with that some more. Right now it's just Snickers protein bars, water, pouches of tuna, salt and pepper, and turkey sausage. That needs some work. Things that I still need to get is a local map, a backup battery charger, and they say goggles and flip-flops. With pets it's a whole other process. I realized that I didn't have enough things for them. Like I stuffed them in their crates, but we would have to go someplace and they can't just stay in there. I didn't have like any kind of portable litter box situation or anything. So I ended up getting them like a, a playpen, an enclosed playpen type thing for cats. So if I ended up anywhere, I could let them out of their crates, but they'd still be contained and a portable litter box and portable um, like food containers and then of course cat food and cat litter and those things and then also like little leash harnesses because if I can't use my playpen but I still need to keep them contained because domestic indoor cats are dumb and run away and get lost and get involved in all sorts of shenanigans so we don't want that. It was, when we had to evacuate, it was very stressful for us all, which reminds me that I also included some feline calming juice. Yeah. So the song I picked is a throwback from the day, my day. <laughs> it's Republica with Ready to Go. Jennifer here. So the other night, my mom and I were talking about how the alert systems weren't working, and she asked me, like, but how did you know? And I said, well, I was on Facebook and the internet. She's like, but how did you know to know? And I said, oh, I think it started with a joke to um, Emily and Bobby. There was a post about the high winds, but the way it was worded was funny to me. It was like, expect high winds. High winds are expected. And there could be a greater danger of fires. But it was sort of like, have you RSVP'd to your high wind event? <laughs> like, it just had a funny tone to it. And so I knew that the winds could be trouble. And then I was on Instagram. And one of my past coworkers who lives out in Talent posted how congested the highway was and that everyone was trying to leave because of the fires. Then three hours later, she posted that her house was gone. So I knew that that was serious and very real. And at that point, I started like really paying attention. But there wasn't a lot of information 
that I could find in other places. So I went to Facebook and my mom was like, can you please send me a list of where you went? Because I would like to know that. And so I am going to tell you <laughs> some of the pages that I found helpful. Again, really, really strong disclaimer that this absolutely does not reflect the opinions and feelings of KSKQ or the station. Also, I'm not endorsing any of these pages. I went there, I found them helpful, but you definitely need to fact check. There could be much better resources out there that I just don't know of yet. And I think some of the uh, civilian run pages might be having conflicts with each other, and I don't know like what's going on. I've just seen kind of random posts. So I don't want to be supporting something that I shouldn't be, but I don't know what that is. So <laughs> don't get mad at me because I don't know what's going on. I just know that people are unhappy with each other. So these are a list of pages that I found super helpful when everything was going down as an information source. So I started off with the official pages for, I'm in Central Point, so the Central Point Police, Medford Police, uh, there's a Jackson County Emergency Services or Emergency Management page, the Medford Fire Department page, and they were posting very frequent updates all through the night. So as far as civilian run pages, these were some of the ones that I found helpful. Ryan Weather is run by Ryan Snyder and on his website it says he has a degree in geography and has studied meteorology and climatology in how the weather and topography interact in the complex and diverse environment we call the Rogue Valley. He's a local resident here. Um, he breaks down the weather like the direction of the winds, rising, falling temperatures, everything that would have a direct effect on the fire, along with maps showing the aerial drop-off points uh, that the fire departments were using. He's very, very thorough, and it made me feel like I could understand the weather, but then also kind of understand what to expect and how things might play out. Uh, the other one that I went to is called Rogue Weather. Their page says that they're Southern Oregon's number one social media page for weather, wildland, fire, and road report information. They go into the weather and post updates about weather, but then they also post a lot of links to current events and local news articles. And while Ryan Weather feels like super focused, this feels like a little bit more personal. You hear more of the administrators talk about like their life and opinions. So there's a little bit more uh, community interaction. Uh, the other one I went to was Jackson County Scanner. And there's a lot of scanner pages. There's like Rogue Valley Scanner, Jackson Scanner, Jackson Scanner Group. Like, <laughs> there, there's quite diverse in the, the scanner world. And it's pages based on people who are listening to the like police, I guess fire department scanners, then posting reports about what's happening. Uh, then there's like a lot of people that post, like if they filed a report or opened a case and they'll be like, this is my porch video of someone stealing a thing. Does anyone know who it is? And a lot of times people will and they'll respond. And so there's a little bit of sleuthing that happens and different people then posting a lot of eyewitness accounts. Like, there is an accident here, don't use this road. I was really digging the fact that it was just such real-time information because people would post like, this is happening right now, this is next door to me, this is what the fire looks like. Then people would be like, this 
freeway or this highway is closed. I'm new here. How do I get out? Where do I go? And people would be responding to them and giving them good directions and information. And other people were posting resources, like from Grants Pass saying, I have a huge business parking lot if you need a place for your RV overnight. And things like that where I would never have known about it unless I saw the post. So I liked that aspect of it. But because it's very community interactive, you have to be really careful to like fact check because you don't know how reliable uh, some people are. And because there's a lot of interaction, people have, you know, strong opinions and they don't always agree with each other. And so it can be like a little chaotic or there can be like a little bit of negative energy when uh, people have conflict over different things that have been posted. Uh, let's see, the other one that I went to haven't as much lately is Southern Oregon Fire Info. And if you start typing Southern Oregon, so many pages will come up. Originally, it was just updates about the fire, but it's kind of become more of a community, like bulletin board with people who have resources to give and people who need resources, uh, like including different like GoFundMes and different projects and charities that are happening. Uh, and basic questions people asking like if my food stamps got destroyed in the fire like what do I do things like that so that's I feel like a pretty good community resource I appreciated that I could post on Facebook and Instagram to let everyone know that like me and my family that we were safe because I noticed the phones were very sporadic the texts would go through calls weren't really going through but the Facebook posts were going through. So it's a really good way to let a lot of people know at one time that everything was okay without having to try and, and fight with the phone systems that were being used by people who are having actual emergencies. And so really did appreciate just that as a communication avenue. Emily here. And I also follow quite a few of the same Facebook pages that Jennifer mentioned, and they proved to be immensely helpful. I found and continue to find it absolutely bonkers that for the first time possibly ever, Facebook was the place for pretty accurate information. One group that I wanted to give a shout out to is Riverstone Commons. It was formerly Ashland Peeps. Um, within that group, there were a handful of lovely people that stayed up into the night transcribing everything fire-related that could be heard on the police scanner. Every once in a while, one of them would say something like, I only have another hour left in me, and then another person would pipe up and say, that's okay, I got it, I'll take over when you're done. It was in those moments that I felt a sense of community on Facebook that I had truly never experienced before. It was such an incredible relief to know that they were on there and listening, and while I didn't sleep much, it did afford me a few moments of dozing off that night, and then I knew I could look at that thread again and be caught up to speed. It was truly a labor of love, and I am just so very grateful to those people. Um, it's also been a really good source of information for donations, um, potential housing for people who lost homes. So if you're looking for that kind of local community information, I, I do 
recommend Riverstone Commons. Okay, that's it for my bit. Back to you, Jennifer. I believe you have a song for us, hmm? The song that came to my mind first was What's the Frequency by R.E.M. What's the frequency can at the shopping Jennifer here. I remember when my step-grandfather passed away. I was about 10. He wasn't a very pleasant person, and so we generally didn't spend any time around him. But after his death, we drove the 14 hours down to Riverside to help my dad's mom, my grandmother, clean the house out. She used to always say that every week she'd take out the trash and that Orville would be not long behind her bringing it all back up. I remember that when we got there, he had a few sheds just full of stuff, so much stuff. I remember a huge roll of plastic banners for motor oil, a gross, ill-used looking giant teddy bear, government cheese that was five years old, huge stacks of used cardboard nacho containers, and every once in a while a small hidden wad of cash. It became the game to find out what strange hidden place that he might have left money in. As baffling as it seemed to me as a 10-year-old, like what use could anyone ever have for most of these things, it was a lesson that I never forgot about how an entire generation can experience an event that changes them. And I feel like COVID and the fires have left a mark. So with COVID, my problems with anxiety had me in a very similar version to quarantine. Only I just felt guilty all the time and like a bad person because there was just so many social obligations and I dreaded them with all my heart and I felt guilty like I was disappointing people if I didn't go do things. And finally that weight was lifted. I was freed and that actually felt pretty good. I always wanted personal space in lines and shopping and walking around and now it's validated. I'm not just weird or being overly sensitive because I don't like people pressing in on me. Now the people who just don't get the concept of personal space, they're the weird ones. I don't like wearing a mask, but I don't mind the anonymity. There's just kind of a random sea of faceless faces, and I can more easily just tune everybody out. And people are supposed to be washing their hands more and cleaning things and being just less disgusting as human beings in general, as I always wished that they would. So those things I kind of saw as a pro, but uh, there's definitely the con side of it, which it's really anxiety provoking for me is that there's the up to 14 day asymptomatic lead up period. So like, what if, what if? You just, you weren't careful enough. What if you get sick? What if you get someone else sick, really sick, and they die? The personal liability factor is really hard for me to handle. And it also feels kind of like a horror movie with an unseen enemy. It just randomly strikes out and you don't know who will be next. It feels like an imaginary villain that I'm constantly trying to outwit. Like, I washed my hands, you've been foiled, but what if, what if it was on 
my hands originally now it's on the doorknob and when I walk out and go to see my parents now it's on my hands again and I you know it can go on and on and I just wish there was like some sort of giant blue light that you could turn on and see like look there it is there's some COVID here there's some COVID there avoid it like it's hard to watch movies now because you're like oh no they're touching stop touching each other stop congregating in big groups I mean this could go on for years and years and I hear people say things like when this is over I'm just gonna hug everybody for a long time I'm just not gonna stop hugging people and I'm like please I wish you wouldn't like I don't I don't think it just gets knocked out like that I think it you have to be vigilant for a long time I think we will get used to this distance and to this like insulated version of our lives that we're living but I don't think that that's healthy that's not optimum for anybody and it will be hard to maintain it'll also be hard once we don't have to like for people to get closer to each other especially people who tend to be more like germaphobe oriented than others I think it will always be like a little bit difficult from this point on also I think we have a fear of scarcity now that we didn't before. Most of us, every time we go to the store, the shelves are f- were full. We lacked for nothing, we needed nothing. And when people started panic buying and being out for themselves and created bare shelves, like we never experienced that. And I think that was very frightening for a lot of people, which then kind of created a vicious circle because then more people started panic buying because everyone else was getting everything. And that's been like the weirdest thing to go to stores and see empty shelves because some things we just can't get as much of. Everything's kind of in a weird state right now. I think it gave a lot of us a sense of how quickly things can change that we take for granted, how impermanent the state of the economy and consumerism and available goods really could be. We've all lived with a certain amount of security that when we go to the store, things will just be there. I think it might lead to a lot of people just overbuying on the principle because you never know. I guess we'll see how that plays out. And with all the fires, I found that it really triggered some of my OCD parts. I'm not a very nostalgic person, but I had random boxes of photos and different items and different places. When it came time to pack up, like all that stuff was left behind. And I found since then, I've been just scanning photos. So I sorted them out, I put them in an album, but since it's OCD, I can't stop. I'd spend hours and hours every day into the night, 2 a.m., because I had to get it done, all of it. Every memory had to be compartmentalized and compiled. Finally, like I'm getting a little bit more relaxed about it, but it was very intense for a while, and that was my stress response to what was going on. Um, also because the alerts weren't working and I don't know if they've got that fixed. I had a hard time sleeping then. It's getting a little bit better, but I just kept having that feeling like I need to keep vigilant that if something happens, I feel like it'll be too late before I know about it, before someone knocks on my door. So there's like this air of hypervigilance of scanning the skies for smoke. Well, our neighbors are nice, considerate people. They would let us know. On the night when we were getting ready to evacuate, the little nine-year-old neighbor boy came over 
So his family's packing up to evacuate, but he saw my mom outside and he asked her if she needed any help. Like they're going through the same thing, but he's like stopping to make sure that everyone in his neighborhood is okay because he's just a very sweet, special person. So Levi would save us all. I truly believe that and I can probably sleep better just reminding myself (laughs) we're under the protective watch of a very thorough nine-year-old and you should never underestimate that. The song I picked is called What We Gained in the Fire by the Mina Birds. So every time I go into a store and I see that they have bottles of hand sanitizer or sanitizing wipes, I do find myself strongly compelled to purchase one. And I was looking at my countertop with the three giant bottles of hand sanitizer on it and thinking, this is going to be one of those things that I do for a long time. And I bet my children or our children's children will be like, why do you have so much hand sanitizer? And I'll be like, you never know. You (laughs) never know when a pandemic will hit and everyone will be buying it and you're going to need a bottle and I'll be the one to give you one. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly wild to me that really there was zero hand sanitizer because it was all getting, you know, bought off the shelves for probably a good month. And in that month, like that's all it took to like program us to have this extreme urge to stock up on cleaning products and like hand sanitizer. And and like I we have an entire bottle of it that we haven't even broken into that we may have for the rest of our lives (laughs) does hand sanitizer expire i don't know but uh but it's changed us it has and i also think it's something that an entire generation will know how to make their own hand sanitizer and what percentage of alcohol is needed to be effective like those are things i feel like we all have ingrained in us now yeah, most definitely. And also masks, wearing masks. Like anytime the boys want to come, we have two little boys, three years old and seven years old. And even our three-year-old, like he knows that it is only acceptable for him to accompany us into the grocery store or any indoor like place. Because kids love getting out of the car with mom and dad to go into the, the, the grocery store. That's like my kids favorite thing to do i they they are so excited about it and and i had to really really alter my perception of just how fun this the grocery store is for kids because in my mind it was like why would you want to go into the grocery store it's just it's just the grocery store it's because they they know they can talk us into getting something. Maybe that's what it is. They know they can talk me into getting something for them. But but my three-year-old knows it's unacceptable to, to go in without a mask. So he, he like, as part of his convincing me to take him in, he's like, I'll, re- I'll wear my max, which is him saying, I'll wear my mask. He says it very cute. But um, 
but you know also seeing our children on the off chance that we see other little children and they do have these small social interactions like if we take them somewhere to ride their scooters or to go play outside somewhere they'll interact with other kids and and it will it i don't know when it's going to stop being this novelty yeah and they do kind of stand back a ways even our three-year-old is like he'll run up to them and i find myself being like uh uh, wait but then he stops (laughs) like about six feet away and just kind of stares at them yeah and it is really interesting and i also find myself not really knowing how to socialize anymore outside of you know just bobby i guess mostly and our seven-year-old he's so good i don't know where you picked this up at but it's very practical he he told me that you know that you're far enough away from somebody to be able to talk to them and interact with them um that six foot social distance uh, you know, distance. You you know when you uh, can can swing a broom at them, and you're not, and you don't touch them. So that's like his. Not that he carries a broom everywhere, but he he just has that visual spatial like ability, and uh, that's how he knows. And he reminds me of that. So I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful for for uh, having our kids keeping us in check. Yes, they do a good job of that. Um, in grocery stores, I think it's like two carts, like a two carts space. And you know, I am terrible at yeah. visual spatial things. But I figure like, okay, if I have a cart in front of me, and then there was another cart and like that one I can, I think I do an okay job yeah, with. you do, you do. <laughs> I also would like to take this opportunity to make a shout out Mm. to mrs tyra banks and you're probably wondering tyra banks bobby what are you what are you've lost it you finally lost it you have not had enough social interaction where you're dropping tyra banks name and that's probably true we have not had enough social interaction yeah we'll need to be re-socialized but carry on bobby yes thank you so i will i will let you in on the reasoning behind me giving props to Tyra Banks. And that is, my friend, the word smize. (laughs) Emily, can you shed some light on that? Yes. A smize is a smile with only your eyes. As made popular by the hit television show on the WB, originally, I believe, the television network, the WB, uh... I think it was the WB. It's America's Top Model. America's Next Top Sorry, Model. Sorry, America's Next Top Top Model, which put Tyra Banks not just... It, I mean, she was on the map because of her, you know, like, what do they call it? Supermodel thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that just, it turned her into a household name. She suddenly had a talk show. You remember. You remember the talk show. You all do. I do. I really enjoyed that talk show. And if, if you don't, take some time maybe look it up on youtube it's so worth it she was she was great she was a wonderful talk show host and she covered some really heavy material subject matter uh but the smize is that is where 
the gold lies. And I bring up the Smize and Tyra Banks because now that we are wearing masks and we are interacting with people, and as a person who is sensitive to the reactions of those in public situations, like checking out my groceries or uh, interacting with people at the hardware store or, um, or standing in line at the DMV, I am extremely reliant on the body language or the facial expressions of, of people, just like on any everyday basis. And now that I can't see like 70% of the person's face, <laughs> everything is about the eyes. And if I can perceive that someone is a smizer, smiling with their eyes, like that just really takes my anxiety level down. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to start paying more attention. So maybe just practice in the mirror, folks. If you are a non-smizer, put that extra effort in because a lot of us rely on that. It'll make us all feel better. It will. Um, that reminds me of another thing that I'm probably going to have to undo What's that, whenever Emily? we stop wearing masks everywhere. And that is my facial expressions underneath my mask oh, have no. gone crazy let's just say her lips are going wild <laughs> um i feel like i can just make whatever shocked or incredulous feeling look that i want under my mask from from the eye from the from the nose bridge down you're just like going crazy you're off the charts <laughs> i feel like i am um <laughs> Because I figure, like, no one's really paying attention to my eyes anyway. I also wear glasses, which I feel like kind of hides my eyes a little bit more. Like, there's just a lot of distraction happening with my face now. So I feel like this it's a good time to just make whatever crazy facial expression I'm feeling at the time. Yeah, it's a crazy time we live in. It is. Yeah, and and I, I applaud all of those people who are putting so much creative thought into their mask. Mm. I saw someone who had converted one of those royal crown like bags <laughs> into a maybe you're listening and we're not making fun of you. Like this is this is incredible because you're living your truth, man. He he converted like a royal crown bag into a mask using the drawstrings that tie in the opening of the royal crown bag to like wrap them around their his ears to hold it. I don't know how he did it. I think he had a I'd like to think he had an extremely creative um uh partner in his life that like got to stitching and was just using whatever was around the house to turn into masks when everything first hit and and I applaud that. You know, that is that is dedication to keeping society healthy yeah. as much as you can it is yeah i have yet to see like um you know i i i thought that there was going to be some really funny looking things like out there like people converting socks into masks <laughs> you know or i don't know just different things <laughs> yeah that, no most people are pretty they've got it They've got it together. Yeah. I also am glad that there's not as many people. Maybe it's the area, but I don't see as many people wearing like Halloween masks oh. like around. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was really fearful of that, of people like taking really creative liberties and, you know, maybe wearing like Nixon masks or, <laughs> you know, or I don't know, really, that's the worst. They're just, I would rather a werewolf mask than a Nixon mask. It's just it's very off-putting. So thank you for not wearing Nixon masks, society. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. If you didn't, if you haven't worn a Nixon mask, then <laughs> then you deserve this shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and Tyra Banks. You never thought you'd be mentioned in the same same uh, fifteen minute uh, community radio discussion with two uh, radio personalities. And yet here you are. There you are, um, Bobby. What song are we playing? Well, I put a lot of thought into this, and I went through a lot of options, and I realized that the song that I ultimately chose was just staring me in the face the whole time. That song is by good old Bob Dylan, and it's called Times They Are A-Changin'. Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone, or the times they are a-changin'. About a thing Cause every little thing Gonna be alright Rise up this morning Well everyone, that's it for us tonight and from the Dream Infringement crew and uh, three quarters of the Castillo family We'd like to say hello to Weston, the Minecraft boy. Oh boy. Also, good night is more what I was thinking since this is the end. Hello and goodbye from Weston. And Bobby. And Emily. Um, stick around for... High Tech Soul with, with Leo. Leo. Um, it's a great show and he is going to be on for the next couple hours so you're in good hands you are all right weston so do you have any last words you want to impart to our beautiful listeners well as a matter of fact i do and they're very nice to you all sometimes you sometimes we feel lost but being loved brings us back home that's beautiful thanks weston (laughs) all right right. good night everyone from us to you have a great evening and see you next monday Melody's pure and true Saying This is my message to you